I don't want to live a life like with any regrets anymore. You know, like I used to overthink things back in the day. And like, oh, what if, what if this happens? Like at this point, I'm like, why not? <laughs> yeah. You know, why not? Because um, life is so short. Because when he got killed, he was 25. I'm 25 now. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Live an Extraordinary Life. I am your host, Tim Bishop, and this podcast serves as a guide to help you define what an extraordinary life is for yourself. Today's guest is a young entrepreneur who goes by the name of Rex, whose story really offers us some perspective and motivation as he talks about his family history in Cambodia and how he looks to reshape education in the future. I hope you enjoy this interview. So here it is. Do this thing. Let's get it. All right, man. So this is Rex. Uh, and uh, Rex coming in today. We're going to have a good conversation about his story, his life, and everything he's got going on. How are you doing today, man? Good, man. Um, you know, had a good weekend with the family. Ate a lot. Um, actually got tatted yesterday. Um, so my name, my full name, Rex May, or uh, in Cambodian it's pronounced Rex May, means a ray of light. So sunlight, you know, sun, ra- sun rays or uh, kind of to shine, right? So I got it on my shoulder to my chest. Um, unfortunately, it didn't come out the way I really wanted it to, but <laughs> it's kind of already on me, so we're just gonna go from there. Um, but um, and that was a, I'm just trying to embrace like who I am now. Um, like growing up, I know we're gonna go into this later, but you know, yeah. just kind of growing up, um, I didn't really fit in anywhere, right? And I'm like, t- till this day, I'm like a work in progress, but like I'm, I'm slowly, finding out like who I am, becoming who I am. So like, I used to hate my name. I used to like hate um, just growing up cause I was like, I never fit anywhere, you know? And now I'm like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I fuck with myself. Like I like myself now. Can I yeah. swear? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Like, I'm starting to like embrace myself now, you know, like who I am. Yeah. So yeah, but. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, let me do that, so. Make it permanent. Yeah, hey, really permanent now. Right? But, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Man, yeah, yeah. man, yeah. I thought about the, the same thing again. Something meaningful to me. Uh, yeah. But my dad, my dad's warning me still. So. Yeah. So pops, um, if you see this one, I'm maybe, but I'm still, I'm still looking out for you, yeah. man. Funny, <laughs> so funny story. So my very first tattoo, I was in, I was 17, and I had my dad write out um, family and love because like those are the, like the two most foundational things that I'll always cherish, and I had him write it in. Um, the Khmer language, which is, which is Cambodian. Mm-hmm. And um, I had him write it out. And he's like, what do you need this for? He's like, oh, you know, I just, want, just wondering. And um, so I got the whole, like, temple, the Angkor Wat, on, like, my whole upper back, and I got the words underneath it. And um, the Angkor Wat's pretty symbolic to, like, our whole, our whole history. Uh, you know, so I want to pay homage and get the whole thing. So, you know, I went to the tattoo artist. I actually took a... <laughs> I don't, I don't encourage it, so I told me to take a few shots of hand to see. I was 17 at the time. He was like, hey, man, this is your first one, because the, the whole piece took five hours. And, um, yeah, so I got the whole thing, and uh, when my dad saw it, he's like, you think you slick. <laughs> you, th- you, th- you thought you were slick. I was like, hey, it's too late now. You can't erase it. So, yeah, man. Dang. Um, but, that's good yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. Well, that's funny, because I was like, first time I met this dude, you, I was like, Oh, you gotta! Remember those of you? I was like, "Well, you gotta read this book." Yeah. Uh, it was the first that killed my father. Yeah. I had just spent those six months in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And I went over just to, watched that again too. Saturday. Did you? Yeah. Okay. And I, yeah, I went over to Cambodia, and at the time, I didn't even know. And that's the thing that I feel like I want to talk a little about your story today too. Yeah. Is like, you know, we go to all these places in the world, and there's so many lessons there, mm-hmm. and like a lot of times you don't even really know that there's these lessons there. What happened? So I come back and my dad told me about this book and I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, like what happened in Cambodia was, mm. was insane. So I meet you yeah. and I was like, dude, you should read this book. And you're like, bro, my parents, parents lived that. So I know you've talked about this before, but I want to cue yeah. this because I, one of the main things I wanted to get away from today was just people being able to really understand like what's happening in certain parts of the world and like mm-hmm. really understand like what went down in Cambodia. And I... Right. I mean, I know that a fourth of the population was killed off. I know yeah. some of these big facts, but, like, yeah. I've never met someone who's had, like, a personal touch with it. That doesn't make it just a number. So yeah, um, yeah. I want to tie it to you eventually, but would you mind just, like, sharing a little, sharing a little bit of, like, your parents' story yeah, first? Yeah, of course. And then we can kind of connect it to 
how that impacted you? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, their story is, is you know, inspirational, motivational, everything to me. Um, so my dad, he was born in 1970. Um, the Khmer Rouge, like the, the killing fields of Cambodia, the, the genocide pretty much was from 75 to 79. But, you know, the effects of it were, were long lasting, you know, to this day. You know, a lot of people, like my grandparents, they have PTSD, they don't, they don't talk about it. Um, last year, my dad told me that he had a little sister that, that died from it. He didn't even tell me before. I found out last year. Last year. Last year. So, you know, they, they, they keep a lot in. Um, and, you know, I know, I know from what they, they tell me, like here and there, um, it's, you know, it's hard for them to talk about, but listening to my dad so okay so he was five years old by the time um they took over and the way they took over was um so the Khmer Rouge is the communist party um led by Pol Pot and they made they, they went to the, the big cities like Phnom Penh um they evacuated the whole city saying America's gonna bomb it so that's kind of how they scared everybody saying all right you guys need to leave the city evacuate you guys can return in like two to three days whatever and everyone evacuated the city. My dad was with uh, my grandparents, and they left. You know, took nothing, just like left to the countryside. And they moved to like a village, and obviously they weren't able to go back. You know, yeah. now at this point, there's there's no food, there's nothing, and slowly they just start they start putting people to work and. People start dying, man. Like there's, there's, there's no food. There's no sickness, or no, there's sickness. There's no food. There's no medicine. There's so the way Paul Pot um, designed his regime was he wanted everything to go back to like he calls it like day zero. Yeah. And um, so he, he executed like anyone who was. Vietnamese, first of all, like he hated Vietnam. Anyone who's Vietnamese, he hated foreigners. He hated West, like anything Western. Right. So they were the first to go. If you were like ladder skin Cambodian, like my mom, like she would have gotten killed. Um, anyone who like looks smart, it it sounds crazy, but anyone if you wore glasses, like you would get killed. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, monks. You look educated. Yeah, if you look educated, if you were just that's crazy. if you were if you were to oppose the regime, uh, you were getting killed. And it was crazy because uh, the Khmer Rouge had the support for the majority of the people because the king, because uh, they were a monarchy at the time, um, the king, they were, so there was a coup at the time too. There was a coup by the, the Cambodian government who was backed by, by America and they were trying to overthrow the king and the king was like, hey, it was like he was telling everybody to, hey, the Khmer Rouge, they're good people, you know, follow their lead. And they told them to go to like the jungle, so that's what the people did. And then you know, slowly, they over overthrew the the government, and they took over. And then you know, the ex all, the executions happened, all that. So yeah, um, my dad he went to a, a Kawaran, um refugee camp and at the border of Thailand, and while they were there, like. They were, you know, safe there, I guess, quote unquote safe, but there wasn't food. And it was like a, a type of camp where no one gets in and no one gets out. If you, if you try to leave, you'll, you'll get killed. And um, after the Thai refugee camp, he went to the Philippines, which was, so by this time, um, I think my parents, or my dad, they were trying to apply for a, like a refuge to come to America. I think they, they, they got sponsored by someone and someone he knew was in Minnesota. So that's how we ended up in Minnesota. Uh, our family and the Philippines uh, refugee camp was more they're trying to teach him and my grandparents how to speak English um, how to work but you know they didn't get paid or anything like that um, dude just like my dad was you know it's crazy so he you know like he witnessed his grandparents get get killed um, his uncle you know his his younger sister now and he was telling me that uh, his his grandpa like he caught a rat and like saved it for him so he could eat later, you know. That's it's crazy. That is you know? crazy, bro. Yeah. So when we think about us being hungry, it's nothing because like they they starved, you know, <laughs> like starved. Yeah. Like you don't know when your next meal is. Um, like not a couple hours later. No. Nah, like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Malnourished. Yeah. It's crazy. So 
he came to America in the eighth grade. Um, and then, you know, the transition was tough for him. You know, think about going to a completely new country. You know, American culture is very, very different from, you know, where he was coming from. Yeah. Um, and we landed in, or they landed in, I think, like, on the west side, West St. Paul. And... They just flew straight here. Yeah, so it was, it was my grandparents, my dad. I think my, my aunt was probably, like, one or two years old. Um, and my, and my, my, my youngest uncle on my dad's side, he was born in the Philippines and my other uncle, so they all moved in to America. And then by the time, I think my dad was like 21, 22, this is like the weirdest love story. I'm about to get into like how I met to my mom. So he like kind of met my mom like on the phone, like he, he saw a picture of her, then he started talking. And all I know is that I think in 93, like I just, I was talking to him about this week, this past weekend. In uh, 93 is when they got married and they met for the first time a week before they got married, like in person. But so they're not, they're like talking on the phone the whole Dang, time. Yeah, some so, serious online yeah, dating. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And uh, you know, happily married to those day. So wow. yeah, so they got they got married ninety three, um, came to America ninety four, and I was born. <laughs> so yeah. Damn. So you were born a year after then. Literally, yeah. They didn't waste no time. Marriage, America. Got my mom to America <laughs> here. So yeah. Hey, well, your mom's Cambodian too, right? Yep, they're both okay. Cambodian. So yeah. They just didn't know each other until. Yeah, it was you know it's kind of like a it's a traditional thing where you kind of, kind of I guess arrange marriage, okay. so to speak. But I guess they both decided to. You know, it's not like right. they were against their will. It's like okay, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, weird love story. You know. <laughs> Damn, yeah. bro. Yeah. I mean, you just talk about perspective, like. Mm-hmm. I mean. I know, like, in your own life, like, yeah. you know, this is kind of something you went through when you said you had all these, like, things you were worrying about when you were younger. Oh, yeah. And then oh, yeah. once you got to a point where you really understand what your parents did, yeah, like, something just, like, snapped inside of you. And I think about that right now because, yeah. I mean, this doesn't happen to me, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, dude, like, the stuff mm. you're worried about in your life. It's so minuscule. Relative to this. Yeah. Um, but talk to me about that actually happened in your life. It's actually, you went through this process. I know you mentioned this of like, okay, you got to an age mm-hmm. where you truly understood, I think, like the beginnings of like what really happened. And you right. had some insecurities you were dealing with, which you can oh, touch yeah. on. Um, but something switched where you really started to be yeah. motivated by this story, right? Now this coming back to how it impacts you. Like you started to like feel mm-hmm. this in a different way. Like right. the way you speak about it, the way you talk about it, like, what was that? What was that process of starting to like really understand, like you? I guess described it as like shining your light, but right, right, right. What was um, that? What was that internal feeling going on? Or the switch? Like I want to get inside yeah, your brain so, as to like what that, what, what was right, happening so, up between those two you know, years. Before that switch happened, I guess I'll get to more in context and like kind of build more on like my parents' story. So after after though they they came to America and adjusted. So after my, my mom was officially married to my dad, you know they were in America. Um, the struggle was still there, you know. Uh, there's some welfare. Rent was like seven dollars a month um, in like the community housing on the west side, and um, I think it took them probably two more years because we moved to Woodbury by '96, and they didn't take their first vacation until I was in the third grade. So the first vacation was when I went to Cambodia. Um, oh, you yeah. went back. Yeah. So they literally. So you know, like when I tell you, like they didn't take no vacations. They didn't take no vacations till I was in third grade. So from 94 when I was born, not one day off, like my mom's a hustler, like it's crazy. My mom like get up and go and you know, it's right now she has her own business and we're getting into all that, like she has her own business, hustles seven days a week, but man, just that, so in in, like the community housing that they lived in, it was, you know, me, my mom, my dad, my uncle, my aunt, my other uncle, my grandparents, and like a two bedroom, you know, housing and not not in the greatest environment and from there it was just crazy so after we moved to Woodbury um growing up so like you know I'm like every other kid I feel normal you know um I didn't realize how blessed I was until I'd say the second time I went to Cambodia so the first time I went to Cambodia was the third grade and you know you're still a young kid and things don't really register just yet. You know, you see, you can see the conditions when you're out there and you're aware of it, but it doesn't click yet, you know? Yeah. Um, 
you just you realize like you know your parents are telling you hey, you know this is where we came from you know not a lot of kids live like how you live right now like you know you got you can go to McDonald's whenever you want you have the freedom to do whatever you know <laughs> actually give them 20 piece nuggets that was my stuff. <laughs> um, kids can't do that here you know she just kind of tell me I was like and then I think like at the time in third grade I'm like well you know I don't know like I like chicken nuggets I like doing stuff like is it my fault you know because you're a kid right, you, don't, yeah, you, don't, right. you don't really get it um I think the second time around when I went in sixth grade, um, this this story like definitely impacted me. So we're at a gas station. My uncle that that lives there, and he, he's moved here now. Um, my uncle that lives there um, goes into the gas station with like my mom, my dad, and whatnot. So I'm like stuck in the van by myself. It's kind of chilling, like with the doors open, and uh, you see this little girl, about probably me, four or five years old. Uh, covered in kind of dirt, no shirt, just a little skirt, no shoes. And this is normal. So she's, you know, begging, panhandling, you know, arms out uh, to anyone that will kind of will give her anything. And uh, she goes up to like a, a white tourist couple, maybe American, maybe European, I have no idea. And I kind of just like brush her away. You're like, oh, shoot. You know, like that thing, like that moment, I'm like, that shit broke my heart. Cause, so I'm the oldest on my dad's side, and I have like 13 cousins, you know, so uh, I'm a role model whether I want to be or not, so they look, they look up to me. So, you know, I couldn't imagine if someone did that to like my little baby cousin or something, and I was like, wow. And then we made eye contact, so she walks up to me, so, you know, I gave her, I gave her everything in my pocket, you know, so my, you know, my parents gave me some money to, you know, if I wanted to spend anything, so I gave her, I gave, like, I gave her, I, hey, hey, her. go ahead, girl, Yeah. as soon as I did that, so this is very normal in Cambodia, so, like, if they see someone giving out money, like, the, like all these kids, like, they're, they're on the lookout, so as soon as I did that, all these kids come running, I'm like, whoa, so I was <laughs> like, like, I don't got that yeah, kind of money I was like, yet. <laughs> no, for real, and then um, my uncle comes back out, he, like, just shoots them away from the car, you know, like, 10, 10 kids, and, uh, you know, you feel so bad. It's like, man, like, I want to give these kids the world. And um, I came back to America. So, one, I mentioned this, I was a very, like, obese kid, which is, like, very abnormal in Cambodia. So, like, when they see him right away, they're like, oh, he's probably rich. He got money because he's eating. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's eating right <laughs> now. He's eating. Um, and uh, so that was, like, one of the things that clicked for me. I was like, man, um, so I, the insecurities that kind of I had that I had when I was in like growing up elementary, junior high, um, was, you know, one, I was fat. That was like one of like one of my biggest things. Like, you know, I wasn't athletic. I always loved sports, but I was never good because of that. And then my name um, was was wasn't a normal name, so I always got made fun of because of that. And it wasn't until like maybe the second or third grade where I realized I was like different, right? So. I was like, because that's when kids started like making fun of my name. I'm like, why is your name like that? Like, why are you that color? Like, why are you so fat? Like, you know, just like all these little things. And then it started just building up. Um, like, I started wearing jerseys all the time because like, I love, I love, I love sports. I love basketball, and uh, it was just to cover like my boobs, you know, so it didn't, <laughs> so it didn't pop out. It's <laughs> um, just crazy, and uh, I couldn't fit in with the white kids. I couldn't fit in with the black kids. I couldn't fit in with the Asian kids because I didn't look Asian to them. I couldn't fit with the Latinos because I couldn't speak Spanish, you know? So I, like, I felt like I was a misfit anywhere, but I always try to, you know, I, always, I was always an outgoing person. So, you know, I try to, I make fun of myself, you know, just kind of like fit in and whatnot. And um, I think it was like after I came back from Cambodia, like I started, started just kind of like running around my cul-de-sac. You know, I was like, people make fun of me. Oh, look at him running outside. Uh, and then like, I guess slowly like started like kind of losing my weight, and I think by the craziest part is so I'm one sixty right now. I was one fifty in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, just to put that in perspective. So here we are, like what ten years later, gained ten um, pounds in ten years. Yeah. So dude, so since I'd say sophomore year of high school, I've been like the same weight. I fluctuate. It's weird. I'll be like one fifty eight to one sixty five. But my, my body composition changes like like I'll like people will be like yo you've been you've been building a lot of muscle but like my weight hasn't changed right. but I'll be leaner though it's weird yeah. Um, yeah someone who's in you know that that area can explain to me but yeah so a good a good transition yeah for sure so I think about high school 
I, I was like, so I went to like this weird transition. So, you know, I went from obese to like, you know, chubby to skinny fat to like by <laughs> high school. I was like skinny because I started running track and I played, I played football by, by 12th grade. Um, and the reason I played football is kind of like to fit in my friends because like, they were all like athletes. I'm like, and that was one of, one of the things where I kind of overcame my fears of like people making fun of me or people kind of kind of just like judging me. I'm like, because I was like, you know, what if I'm bad at it? What if I'm, you know, because I'm not, I'm not fast like them. I'm not strong like them. But I was like, fuck it, let me do it. And, uh, and I'll, you learn a lot from it, you know. It's a team sport. Um, you definitely learn how to overcome adversity. Uh, the running back coach, which, which was also the special teams coach, like for no reason, he kind of, he put me on the special teams squad where I was one of the blockers for, for the return, when we, when we return kicks. And there's a few times where, you know, as soon as I turn around and get ready to block, dude, I, like, this one time, I got lifted up off the ground. And I got slammed. I'll never forget that. Oh, man. But, no, I just, you know, I appreciate him giving me an opportunity. And, uh, you know, you, I learned a lot from it. So, just after, after, after doing that, I learned to pretty much stop, like, listening to my fears, so to say. Um, I was like... I went, I went from, uh, oh, what are they going to think about me? You know, what are they going to say to, like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know? Right, right. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Um, and I'll say that, like, I'm still growing. Um, right now, I'm in a mentality where uh, I'm a risk taker. Um, I th- I de- I'd like to describe myself as, like, a visionary. I don't like to see things for, like, what it is, but I like to see it for what it could be. Right. And... I think that's probably like the biggest thing about me. So ever since like since high school, um, my friend Marcel Montgomery, he's been doing music since since you know elementary. And to me, he's him and his brother, both him and Keenan, they're both like musical geniuses to me. And it's only a matter of time for them. And high school, Marcel, I I helped like direct some of his music videos. So I've always been like a creative person, like. Hey, let's do it like this, cause when he when he raps or when he makes music, like it's just imagery for me. So like that's where that's where I kind of like thrive. I'm like, hey, let's do it this way. So, which leads me to that when we get into modest wealth, where I kind of see like a framework where kids can learn and do what they want just by their own ideas. You know, right? Um, just I just don't think a lot of kids just see it yet. You know, yeah. So yeah, but. Damn, man, there's a few things you said. I mean, there's so many things to comment on from, yeah, that, I know. from that story. But, I mean, I the thing you just said about, like, like you learn to stop listening to your fears. I mm-hmm. mean, that's, like, one thing I've been learning a lot is, like, mm-hmm. you know, some, like, motivational speakers say, like, eliminate fear. Like, I'm not afraid of anything. And it's, I, not, it's not that it's easy. It's not really true. I, I think, like, how I'm describing my own life now is, like, you act despite fear. You're courageous despite fear still being. Mm-hmm. I mean, fear is always going to be there. Right, like, right. It, 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 I think it lessens. Like, the more you do something, the more you go out and talk to people, the more you go out and do whatever mm-hmm. it might be, that fear goes down and down and down. But yeah. you're never going to be, like, 100% fearless. Yeah. So it's learning to, like, fight through that fear and just not letting it win. Yep, yep. I it's, 100% agree. Um, I've been rejected by girls, like, a whole bunch <laughs> of times. I've been rejected by, you know, before I got hired by Accenture, I, I got denied seven times during the interview process. And that, that was, like, really killing my mental. I'm like, man, like, what's wrong with me, you know? Yeah, it always goes then, back inside, right? Yeah. And uh, it, you, you just look at yourself, I'm like, is it me or no? It's just, it's just not your time yet, yeah. you know? And yeah. That's, not that's your time what, yet. Yeah, the, that's, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And things will fall into place when it's supposed to. Sometimes it's just not your time yet. Mm-hmm. And one of my, one of the slogans I like that I use for, uh, for Modest Wealth is where preparation meets opportunity. So as, as these kids like learn this foundational piece of uh, entrepreneurship, they're preparing themselves for when the opportunity comes, they're ready. It's not that they're gonna build like the next Facebook or the next Google or the next Uber. It's just that they, they learn these foundational skills um, after they, they come up with their idea. Um, they're, they're going through all the, the proper channels, the proper steps of like learning how to do it. And then 
once they see an opportunity, like, oh, I know what to do. Versus, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't get it yet, or I don't, I don't see the bigger picture yet. Right. So, yeah, it's just more of like, I know we're not on that topic yet, but that's just no, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, we'll get there. I mean, yeah. It, but yeah, with that again, it's like, there's, there's what probably ten companies of the Facebook, Google esque size, oh, yeah. but how many? How many entrepreneurs is there in the world or how many mm-hmm. independent this or that is there, right? Like yeah. at scale, it seems like that's the sexy thing, but a lot mm-hmm. of people are doing what I'm doing, doing what you're there doing. There are so many successful people doing that at a smaller scale that you've never even heard of. And it's incredible. So, so many. So it's many. funny to talk to like my parents and my grandparents too, because even when I try to explain to them the stuff that I'm doing, it's like, it just goes over their head because this just wasn't, doesn't even exist, a mm-hmm. lot of the work that we do. Like some social media type yeah. work and this videography work and podcasting and all this stuff. Yeah. The, the like I just, showed my, I just showed my grandma, I was like, yeah, no, you can, you can listen to this on your phone for free. She was like, no way. I was like, yeah, yeah you have a podcast out right there. It's yeah. like, you can make it right now if you but want. But see, that's yeah. why we need people like you yeah. in the world because there's the, there is a gap right now still that exists in the education where it's like what's being taught doesn't fully match all the opportunities oh there. Oh my god, dude! Don't even get me started on right? the public school system, right? Because the whole system is—it's designed for you to be a worker bee, for you to like the blueprint is or was, and still is right now. I guess you go to school, you go to college, you get a good job, now you work for a company, and that, and then you, you work till sixty-five, then you retire. That's the blueprint right now, or that's what they're trying to teach you, and. The whole point of what I was trying to do with Miles Wealth and what a lot of entrepreneurs are doing right now is they're, they're teaching you how to think. There are so many people who have these businesses to solve a problem. That's, that's all, that's all, a, that's all a, a business is. It's a product or service trying to solve a problem. And w- once you frame it like that versus that transaction where it's just like, oh, they're just trying to sell me something. Like, no, there's, this mic is here to record because people needed something to record audio. Right. You know? You have a calculator to do math. You have a pencil to write something. That's solving a problem. And you happen to get paid for it. That's how it is. So with Miles Wealth is, um, I guess I'll start like this. So from the very first day of class when I went in, and I was doing this at Eastridge in Woodbury, and uh, I, partnered, I partnered with uh, my old business teacher, Miss uh, O'Driscoll, who's great, by the way. And you know she shared my whole pitch and like I asked her I was like what are you doing for the whole class right now, and you know she's teaching the whole business education and I just wanted to add more of like the entrepreneurship curriculum onto it I'll just you know so we can kind of like mesh it all together, and you know she loved it so I would come in twice a week and the very first day, I asked all the kids as a kind of an icebreaker um, these majority of it, majority of them were seniors had some juniors maybe like one sophomore. And the first thing I asked was, you know, what problems do you guys have every day? You know, so they went around saying their different little spiels. And um, the next question I followed up with is, was, um, how did you solve it? So that was the whole premise of the class. So, you know, they throwing out all these ideas. I was like, all right, let's put it on paper and let's, let's get to work. <laughs> you know? Let's get to work. Yeah. So, because people think um, owning a business is, oh, like, fuck, how do I do that? You know? But really, when you really just put it down all on paper, it's, 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 it's complicated, but it's simple at the same time. So when you go from the ideation process of you know, coming up with brainstorming ideas, and then you put it down all down. So the business model canvas is kind of what I based off the curriculum. So you have the business model canvas, you have the lean canvas, and then you have the discipline entrepreneurship workbook. So those are like the main ideas I use to like go along with the class. So. The business model canvas has like nine core values, like nine building blocks. So you have the unique value proposition. You have the target market, which is like the customer segment. You have the channels that you go through. You got like the key resources, key activities, uh, revenue stream, cost structure. And then I, one more, just ah, can't get the last one, but. Covering all the bases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then the, the lean canvas is essentially almost the same thing, but I think they focus on, uh, um, number one is the problem. So they actually focus on the specific problem rather than like having a unique value proposition for like the, the business model canvas. So it's like, number one is like the problem. Um, number two is like the unique value proposition again. And then the rest of it's pretty similar. Um, 
and whatnot. And then the Discipline Entrepreneurship Workbook is like a 24-step framework. It just kind of gets more in detail. More, you know, you have like the different um, techniques on how to go about doing it and whatnot. And yeah, so for so from December 2017 to March 2018 was like ugh. so high school would be, go by trimesters. Mm -hmm. So we just went for a trimester doing the whole thing. So they went from ideation concept. Um, they did like customer research. They didn't. They never got to like do like real prototypes. Uh, we, you know, just because like we're also learning her, her, her stuff as well. Right. But they were able to get to the very end where they're able to present to us, which is, you know, really cool. So they came up with like, um, one team came up with, uh, it, was like, it was like heated windshield wipers. Another team came up nice. with like a different, like coffee shop, you know, to kind of, it was more niche towards like high schoolers, you know, versus like Starbucks and Caribou. So they had like their own, unique unique model for that so you know it's just cool to see them go through the process because the whole the whole point of it was for them to think and not just pass a class right. i don't want them to do like the whole bubble sheet they're just trying to pass a class get an easy i want you to actually think about your own ideas and how you could actually go, go about do doing something in the world you know yeah um and it's i so. mean yeah i mean like you said like it is it is hard but you know, going back and like mentioning about the education system, like it's mm -hmm. not, it's not a bad thing. Like you look at, think about yeah. it like at scale, it does what it's supposed to do. We compare yeah. it to like growing up in Cambodia, right? You're kind of like, yeah. well, this is doing yeah. a good thing, but we're reaching yeah, yeah. a really interesting point. I feel like in like our evolution of society where there just is more options. Like that's yeah. a fact. There just yeah. is more options and we need, like if there was an avenue like that for mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, yeah it would be just as e easy, quote unquote. You know what I mean? So the, right. I think building these avenues is huge because that's what's gonna show people that you don't have to like go to these jobs where like people don't, if you don't like it, you know, there's a lot of people in the workforce that don't like their job. Yeah, there's plenty of people who are unhappy so where they work. Just bring that awareness to yeah. say, you know, one, like let's build some perspective and understand mm -hmm. where you're at compared to where you could be, yeah. but also, think about all the other opportunities out there and like we need people out there who are showing them because mm -hmm. it's hard to like just create that path you don't even know that it yeah. exists so yeah dude because like can I you, think it's super can dope, you think man. about when you were 18 about to graduate did you know what you wanted to do i go to or, college exactly that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what everyone told us but sometimes yeah. college isn't even a viable option for a lot of people who even who even want to go to college you know who want to learn and I just think that they should be aware of that, just like you said, be, being self-aware, which a lot of high school students aren't because they're not at that, they're not mature enough yet mentally, where like, even if you're 25, you don't have to have it figured out yet, you know? And I just think it, there's too many, pre there's too much pressure on, on those kids just to, you, oh, you gotta go to college right away and you gotta get a job right, right after that. Like, it's unrealistic, yeah. you know? And then that's why we have this student loan crisis right now. Kids are over. It's like, let's go to school. And then yeah. it's like, oh, wait, but now what do I want to do? <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, okay, do you go to school for something that you're passionate about that makes no money? Or do you go to school for something that does make money, but then you'll eventually hate because you don't like it? You know? Yeah. So. <laughs> Dude, and I, like you just said, what did you just say? You just said, like, the, the pressure to have it all figured out and, and like, yeah. the pressure to kind of conform to that. I mean... I think that this kind of relates to your whole story a bit. I, mean, I look at your life and I know we just met a couple months ago, but mm -hmm. just based on what you told me, you know, it's like you were uncertain and you felt this pressure to conform. So you conformed mm -hmm. and then you were kind of like, wait, this isn't what I want to do. And like, mm -hmm. I think that that inflection point seems to come to people in different ways. Like for some I people, agree. it's the midlife crisis. For some people, but eventually that seems to come. And I think that. I mean, I'm curious to hear your take on this because, like, I see it as, like, conforming is always a loose scenario because mm -hmm. you're conforming to an ideal, to yeah. an image, to a, you know... Like you're trying to fit in. Yeah, almost. And Yeah, you're just yeah. losing the, the human aspect of things. Yeah. And this goes back to, like, your original story when you, when I was, when you told, talked about that girl that you, like, saw ask for yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, And I think, like, we're just a little bit... We're not a little bit. We are too quick to forget about the human side of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like if you stopped for one second in your own body and looked at a girl like that and shoved her off, like you would be like disgusted with yourself. 
But like, it's crazy. It's kind of how a lot of our brains have been trained to just like forget, like, oh, wait a second. This is a six year old yeah. human, just like me. Yeah, we're different. We're from different backgrounds, but mm. like, we're all humans. Yeah. And like, let's connect on that. And like, I grew up volunteering a lot with the homeless community. Mm. Like, my mom's super into it. So I just kind of followed her suit. So I learned that from a young age, too, where it was like, man, like, everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. These people are humans. We're all humans. So reconnecting with that rather than looking at like what something is at its face value, like, oh, here's someone who's asking me for money or here's yeah. this image I have to conform to. Because then it's like, when you start to really understand what's going on, it's like, oh wait, like we just gotta recognize that we're all human and we all gotta like figure it out together. And this idea that like we actually have it all figured out at the age 22, 25 is yeah. ridiculous, but that's what makes us then say, oh, well, I didn't have it figured out. People didn't think I have it figured out. So like I got to apply to college. That's what everyone does. And then it takes mm-hmm. you down that loop. So like breaking out of that, like when you did, yeah. I feel like when I did, I'm so happy that I'm already kind of yeah. like stepping back yeah. because now we're seeing the world yeah. on a more real lens and we're saying this is what's actually yeah. going on. It's a self-awareness thing, you know, just like you said. Um, and when you when you like build into that, like you, I want to bring up your, your YouTube video because you made it about a year ago now is when you yeah. released yeah. it. So uh, you can talk about it and give people a little insight if they haven't seen it, but you know, I think it's like a really good moment in people's lives when they like figure out that light, when they find that yeah. light and they share it. Because one thing, it's about yourself. Like, like I feel like diving into your authentic self feels yeah. incredible, but also it's always about so much more than yourself. Like it's always about like 100%. serving a bigger purpose. And I want to talk about that video and like what it means to you a year later. Like now that you look back <laughs> on it, because. Yeah. Because I feel like that process of really starting to say, I'm going to like step into this, like who I am, and I'm going to share this with the world. Yeah. I mean, it helps you, but it also helps everyone. Yeah, it was definitely like a vulnerable thing for me. You know, I didn't, I was like hesitant was to put it out. It yeah. was deep. Because, <laughs> you know, it's a specific, it wasn't like a general story, like it was about me. <laughs> yeah. So the light, like someone, I, I call it the light because that's what my name means, you know, to shine. And throughout my past 25 years of life, I thought like my light, was like, it was like very dim, you know, like I didn't really have a light until like pr- pretty much now, almost now. And so, like I said before earlier, you know, I grew up, you know, very insecure. Um, I wasn't a confident, I wasn't a confident person at all. And I was always trying to like fit and trying to conform. And I didn't really break out of my shell until I like, until I started seeing progress when, when I started working out, I started like reading more. I started like learning more. Started watching more interviews and like just seeing how like um, people that I like looked up to, like how they're doing, like how do you think and what makes them successful. And I kind of applied different different little things to myself. I'm like, okay, this is what Gary Vee does. Let me let me let me see if that helps me. This is what. Uh, David Goggins does. All right, let me see if this works for me. You know, so every morning. <laughs> yeah, I just started doing pull-ups, man. Like I've gotten so much stronger doing pull-ups, but yeah, just you know, um, applying different things. That's why I started getting this confidence, and I started finally um, taking more risks. And so, like you know, that that little voice is like, oh, you're you know, you're too slow, you're too fat, you're too you're too dumb. You know, that started slowly like fading out of my ear. So like in the video, you can hear all these different voices like. That society telling you that you can't do something, and that's what I I constantly that that was constantly in my ear growing up, and then that takes me back to my parents. I'm like, yo, like they barely survived. They didn't have a childhood, you know. And I'm and like not to, and this is you know I'm human. It's okay to have these emotions where you know I'm feeling how I'm feeling, but you got to realize that someone always has it worse than you. So that's I always try to put myself in that place. I'm like, okay, how did my how did mom and dad get through this, you know? And that's why I kind of relate it back. Where you know I have that little flashback in the video where it takes it takes a through memory lane about like what happened to them, and then I bring it back to like my life and how I kind of live. You know, they're they're like my why. I'm like, if they can get through this, then I can get through what I'm getting through. So seeing them fight for everything they've gotten today makes me do what I do every day. It makes me wake up. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta wake up. I gotta live a purpose yeah. because, you know, I'm, I'm their receipt, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I love hearing these stories. I feel like, I mean, 
you hear people talk about like had cancer, for example, and mm-hmm. they're like, I had this moment where I realized how precious life was. And you no. hear these stories. And I mean, if you didn't actually go through it, like it's people like being willing to be vulnerable and share mm-hmm. these things that helps like someone like me connect with that. Because like in the last year, I've heard mm-hmm. somebody who had almost died and had stage four cancer. Yeah. Now I'm talking to you, like some other stories too, but it's like, this helps me and other people start to actually like be like, okay, like, dang, life is like this precious thing. Like yeah. it's, because like, you know, if you don't go through it firsthand, you just might yeah. not know. There's a lot of people like that too, you know. Um, a lot of people just don't know or don't get it because they've never experienced it. And let's say, you know, you have someone... I'm just using this as an example. Like, you know, I went to school at Iowa State, who, you know, which was a great school, by the way, but, um, you know, you had some racist people there, but they're racist because they just, they never met someone like, like me or they never met another black person. So, um, you know, I, I met a few guys where they're like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike black people. I just, you know, I don't really, I don't really like them like that, I guess. But they never talked to them, you know? And all they see is like the stereotypes on TV, what whatever. So you know when you when you break it down. So I'm like I'm trying to see from their point of view, kind of. And I'm like I'm just breaking down questions like, well, have you like what what have they ever done to you personally? I'm like, well, nothing. I'm like, so why? So how do you hate somebody you don't even know? It's right. like how can you dislike me? I'm like, and then you know they always go to the generic stereotypes. Where, you know, you guys are taking all their jobs or whatnot. I'm like, like. Let's really break it down, though. I'm like, yeah, they're yeah, not, yeah. because this, first of all, it's a capitalist society. So, if you if you have the skill, like you can you can get the job wherever you know. It's it's, it's whoever the smartest will get the job, or whoever's the hardest worker will get the job. That's just how it works in this economy, you know. Right. But some people just uh, there's a lot a lot of people like to use excuses, and you just have to kind of break it down in a way where they try, you try to make them understand, you know, but. Yeah. And because sometimes it's not their fault, it's how they grew up, and that's all they know. Yeah. So, yeah. See, that's the hardest time to build empathy, right? That's yeah. the hardest time to like, when you, to see the human, like, is when you know that they're in the wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest time. Yeah. But that's when, like, if you can do it then, like, if you can yeah. find a way to try to help them understand, yeah. then you're going to be able and to. And I know people can change because, right? you know, like, growing up, when, like, when I got bullied or the people who used to bully me, I'm friends with them to, to this day. The, like the same ones who like picked on me whatever and um from their perspective it was like all fun fun and games but they didn't realize how it made me feel right yeah so and then when you break it down to them they just didn't know or they didn't they didn't know that that was wrong so some it's it's communication too you yeah. know but yeah yeah so okay so you go through this whole journey and now you're kind of like trying to build yourself up to the person you want to be mm-hmm. and uh you know, you start sharing your light with the world. And I feel like, for, and I don't know why this is, I feel like there's like this misconception that like when you have, when you go on a journey of like personal development or like trying new things that like you're losing something. Like, like oh, but I'm gonna have to like work hard, I'm gonna have to do this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what exactly is holding people back from like comfort zone across. Comfort zone, yeah. it's probably fear, but it's also like this idea of like there's, there's a lot at rest. When I, when I realized, like, when you actually go across that side, like, like, yeah, there's some risk there, but at the same time, like, you're gaining so much. Like, what do you feel like you've gained in your life by just accepting that you want to live life on the other side of this comfort zone? Like, what, what have been some things coming into your life, like, personally or relationships mm-hmm. or anything that you feel like now you have because you decided to go across that line? So, before I went across that line, um, Last year, a week before my birthday, my aunt's brother, who's who's like older brother to me, um, and he was shot and killed a week before my birthday, and like he was one of like the first people to like believe in me, like he always saw he always saw something in me that I never saw myself, you know, um, so I not, I never really understood it, but he was just he was he was that that big 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 brother role for me, and um, he was a free spirit. He didn't care what anyone thought of him, and. He always just did him, whether people understood him or not. You know, like he just dressed goofy, um, anything. He just do whatever, you know. And I admired that so much about him because, like, oh, well, what if that person like looks at you funny, you know, or whatever? He's like, I don't care. <laughs> um, or, and he and, and, and he would talk the way he talks, you know, like no no filter, you know, keep it real. And um, 
he's like part of the reason why like I like I'm starting to just kind of I guess more I'm being more fearless or I'm taking more risks now because I don't want to live a life like with any regrets anymore you know like I used to overthink things back in the day and like oh what if what if this happens like at this point I'm like why not <laughs> yeah you know why not because um, life is so short because when he got killed he was 25 I'm 25 now so um, so now I'm, I, I'm taking a step across that line because why not? Why you know? not, bro? Yeah. What do you? What do you like? What's the most you have to lose? You know. Yeah. I bet because like with risk, there's no like without risk, there's no reward. You know, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. So, and then the fact that you're afraid, like let's say you're, you're coming down to a decision and you're afraid to do it, you know, you, you obviously got to weigh out the pros and cons, but. If there's a chance that you can be, it can come out better for you, you know, do it, you know, so, yeah. And oftentimes, like you said, like the worst outcome really isn't. It's in your head. Because we're not, you know, again, if we're comparing the two societies we're talking about today, like we're not in Cambodia where like Mm -hmm. if something went wrong, we might actually be on. I mean, a lot of us, I mean, everyone's got different scenarios, but a lot of us, like the risks we're talking about here aren't like a life or death kind of risk. Not at all. A lot of it's just like up, yeah. in, up in the head. Yeah. So just like learning to understand that too mm-hmm. and just stepping out and saying like, what's the worst thing that could happen here? Okay, well, uh, and you play it out and you're like, all right, like I can do that. Yeah. I can live with that. Yeah. Like, and if I, in the best possible scenario is usually like, exactly. you're out there doing it, living a, living your best life and, yeah. and doing your thing. So. 100%. Yeah, man. Okay, so bringing it back to bringing it back to now so you know we touched on modest well i want to bring it back like so now you know now what kind of things are on your mind as far as like these sorts i know you moved, you moved out to la right Is that sacramento. You moved out to? Sacramento. sacramento okay my boy's yeah. moving out to california he's leaving us midwesterners uh <laughs> Just for a little bit but uh you know i know you got things on your mind you know talk to me about where you see you know modest wealth going but also like I know you're like me where you got visions oh, yeah. beyond just the project. And that's why yeah. I love meeting you because like, it's hard for me to sometimes describe those visions to people. Yeah, definitely. And I'm learning how to do no that. Because no one sees it the way you see it. No one sees it the way you yeah. see it. Uh, yeah. But I'm curious, like, you know, how you see modest wealth evolving into your vision, what other parts of your vision are evolving as you see, yeah. you know, this abundance in your life now, really. I mean, you got mm. years and years and years oh, to yeah. live. So what kind of things are you thinking about right now? What kind of things are you working on? Yeah, so for 2020, which you know it's on the horizon. One month away, um, maybe. I definitely want to keep Modest Wealth around, but it's just it's probably going to have to take a backseat to you know, other endeavors and whatnot. But I'm always going to be involved in the education because that's one of the foundational pieces for the future. And it's, it's critical for kids, you know, because they're so malleable and they have to learn the right things the right way, you know. And there's more, there's, I just want them to learn that there's more than one way to do things and you're not wrong if you do it a certain way. So the education will always stay there. Um, another piece that I'm, I've already been in kind of discussion with uh, Marcel and Keenan, the people who are like, you know, one of my closest friends, they keep me accountable. Right. Um, Marcel is in LA, Keenan, his brother's in Chicago. So they're both music artists, but I like to describe them as music entrepreneurs because Keenan, Man, I, I, you should definitely have him on your podcast next. He's he's incredible. He, when you break down like his brain, like he can wear like eight different hats at once, and that's what I love about him. He's so creative, and he just he does everything. And so one of the things we're really passionate about, you know, is uh being like social justice. You know, um, you see, there's so many things that are going on in America or in the world that we really want to shed light on. Um, I think a good show is like Patriot Act. That's like one good show that I really like that Hassan Minaj really, he brings out, talks on topics that no one likes to talk about or he sheds light on pieces where people don't, you know, like the, the higher ups or, you know, the other side that the, they don't, they don't want it being I don't want people to bring it up. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want like the whole public to really like know about these things. And um, I don't want to give out the name yet, but me, Marcellus Keenan, and a few others as well we have in mind, uh, we want to do like a little collaborative where we're doing like activism through art. So, you know, they do music and we really want to bring in people who 
um, do video, photography, any type of art that really inspires people because we believe that art and entertainment as well, that's the best way, that's the best way for people to learn. So you know, when you're watching like Patriot Act, as you're learning these, these topics and he's doing these deep dives, he's making it funny so you can relate to it, you know? And when you listen to music, you don't like realize it, but you're learning. Like as we're talking about topics, you when you listen to Kendrick or J. Cole or whoever, you're, you're, hearing stories. Yeah, you're hearing stories, you're yeah. hearing, you're learning about it or, or a piece of art and you're looking at it. And then, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words Well, a video is worth a million. So when you're watching these short films or you're watching these docu-series, you're learning so much. And that's, uh, we want to do like a platform where we have all this content heavy, um, things coming together as one, you know? So yeah, we really want to do that for 2020. We just got to actually put it together. So we already talked about it and, um, we definitely want to have like a writer, a video person, you know, have all the pieces going forward. So that way we can just push it through the audio, visual, written. So Hell yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, so. Well, you keep me updated because I'm, I'm going to be, uh, plugging you. Yeah. Got to get that, got to get those work out there, man. I got so you. So true. I mean, there's, Again, these are all different varying types of problems we're talking about, I feel like. You know, there is, mm -hmm. I kind of consider it to be some sort of, like, two sides of this, where, like, there's the problems that, like, I had growing up, mm -hmm. which I'm super blessed to, like, never had to have struggled for food, or, like, I was Same. a white dude in America, so I also didn't have to go through any sort of racism. I mean, mm -hmm. I just, I got lucky in that regards, I guess. Lucky. I'm, I'm happy you're aware of it like that, because a lot of people aren't, dude. I'm telling you, like, I've met a lot of... A lot of white guys who don't realize like the privilege that they have, yeah. And yeah, you know, I don't want to. It's not their fault because they're just not aware. They don't. You know, they never. They never heard from that side. But yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm happy that I'm aware of it too. And I think my goal would be to help build awareness yeah. in others too. Right? There's yeah. like those issues that like you know I guess we can just call it like maybe middle class or upper class mm -hmm. society that we have and that a lot of people are having right like their life on paper is fine yeah. but like something's not right right mm -hmm. all these people are like unhappy with their jobs or like 100%. the mental health crisis and all this stuff right mm -hmm. their lives on paper are fine so like I want to help try to figure out how all these people can like live better lives yeah. but it also is still people who are going through like homelessness or yeah. not a lot of money or racism or like yeah. real social injustice stuff too so like I think tackling both of these things are going to be super important mm -hmm. because even like, you know, when people get here, when people get to the point where they have money and stuff, like a lot of people are still unhappy. Yeah. So it's like, how can we like figure out ways where like, all right, now you got money, but like how do, now how do you actually use that to make you happy? Mm -hmm. And like, we, again, we live in a cool like era where I think like there's mm -hmm. more information than ever out there. Like oh, yeah. neuroscientists are anything, doing some man. crazy stuff, man. Yeah. Like the stuff they know about like, how to live a better life now is like nobody else has ever had this information. So like mm -hmm. we're lucky. Like if we actually tune into this now, like we can be living good lives for like many, many years. Yeah. Right? It's cool to like see you tackling both those things, right? Like education and opportunity, mm -hmm. but also like social injustice stuff and like yeah. making sure you're hitting like all areas of people. And, like, yeah, I mean, we can't, you know, we can't save the world, but we can, we can try. We can try, <laughs> bro. Try. Why not, right, man? Yeah. But you, I mean, again, like the, the cliche quote, but like, you can save the world for a person, right? Oh, yeah. I like, agree. You, I mean, you can. Like, yeah. so many people, and it's funny, I actually just read this book, too, uh, Brendan Bouchard, High Performance Habits. I don't even mm -hmm. heard of it, but, you know, I've always thought about this, too, and like, in my own life, what's that ambitions of like, being the dude on stage, like a microphone, and like, talking mm -hmm. to a million people and and that's cool and like yeah I still have ambitions of like hopefully reaching a lot of people through yeah. avenues like this yeah. but at the same time he talked about like a lot of people what it comes down to is like two or three people in their life like for a lot of people yeah, like that's all, you, that's all you need if you're changing the world for like two or three people mm -hmm. that's like a best friend and a, a mom or a cousin yeah. or like whatever it might be like if you're changing the world for two or three people then like then you're doing your part yeah. So just like making it's a sure domino effect too, man. It's a it's a domino. Effect. You might be changing for like in your perspective, maybe just one, but you might be for that person's life. They could be changing their whole family or whatnot. So, Who knows? And it's yeah. a continuous web, right? Yeah. Throughout life, like all these things are all connected and all doing exactly doing things. So yeah. and then you know what with, with the educational piece, it's like I might not I might not change the world, but hopefully I can inspire the person to do Somebody it. Somebody else does, yeah, right? You know, 
Spark the, the generation yeah. below us are gonna be they're gonna have some crazy ideas. Yeah, dude, like for sure, they're bro. literally growing <laughs> iPads at the age of three. <laughs> yeah. There's so. like there's like middle school billionaire and then like a there was like I swear like one fifteen year old that like became a billionaire because he just like learned how to to learn how to hustle, bro. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Um all right, well let me let me ask you a few more questions, then we can kinda wrap it up. Yeah. But um so I'm I'm always curious about this question, like as you've gone through you know, 25 years of life, is there kind of like certain, I don't like to like limit our knowledge by saying like this is an absolute truth, but certain truths you're starting to realize in your own life that, that like you would kind of plant your flag in the ground and say like, I believe in this, like whether that's an ideal or a philosophy or a way of looking at life, like certain things that you kind of think, this might just apply to you, like don't just get yeah. it for everybody, but say like in your own life, there's certain things you're kind of like, this is, this is, this is like a, a, a guy that I want to use the rest of my life to guide me towards or anything, a quote, uh, uh, a way of looking at things. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a way to sum it up. I guess, you know, I'm going to keep it simple. Um, do something. You know, I think Sean King, um, social activist, he said it best, just whatever, you're, whatever you think about doing in order, you know, when you talk about doing something, you waste so much time not doing it, you might as well just do it. Might as well just do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, don't be afraid to take, to take risk and just go out there and do it because let's say you're working at a job and, you know, we talk about people working at jobs where they're unhappy and then they just, you waste so many years stuck and, you know, you don't want to take vacation because you don't want to spend money or you don't want to do something because, you know, um, little little things that I think will hold you back, but if it's if you really think about it for that long, just do it. You know, don't be afraid. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just life is life can be long, but it's short too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to contradict myself, but time is the most valuable thing that we have as as a human. You know, it's not money; it's time. Yeah. You know, if you lose money, you can make it back. Lose you know? time. You can't lose time. You don't, you lose time, period. Yeah. You can make money back. <laughs> yeah. You know, every second you waste is like a second towards whatever. <laughs> towards nothing. Yeah. It's, yeah. We were just talking about this, bro. Like the, I mean, I think, you know, the part of it, planning is, is good and building self-awareness, but again, like just talking and sitting and talking and sitting, yeah. like. I like that. Just go out and do it. That's what we were just yeah. talking about. Like 2020, like new decade coming up. Yeah, man. And like, like you got to start doing stuff. And then with, with, that, with that same idea of time, you have 24 hours in a day. You have 52 weeks in a year. You got 365 days. What are you going to do with that? Every single day, what are you going to do? And you can literally dissect who you are from the patterns of your behavior. And like, so whatever goals you have, you can literally see what's holding you back just by looking at what you do every single day, you know? Yeah. So if you're talking about, all right, I want to be a millionaire by 35. All right, what are you doing every day, every week, every month, every year to get to that goal? So you can literally just analyze what you're doing and you can just go from there, you know? You can, yeah. break, you can break it down just like that. I think it's very attainable. Whatever you want to do in life, you can do it. I, 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 like, I'm a firm believer of that. But you have to have the right actions to create the right habits to create your lifestyle. Yeah. You know? It all, yeah. it all comes together. And this, it's all about what you put your times to. Yeah. It really is about the lifestyle, bro. It's uh, mm-hmm. like work and, and, and not work and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. oftentimes they're segmented, but like, you can build a lifestyle where everything is intertwined. It Everything's is, pushing it one is. direction. Everything from what you eat, because think about it. Let's say you're eating like you're eating bullshit, you're eating McDonald's, and then you start feeling sluggish, and then you feel lazy. Versus where so I'm eating, I'm eating like fresh fruits. I'm eating a healthy diet, so I feel energized. So I want to do something now. Yeah, you know, it all I comes together. Quality. I'm telling you, man. Like for sure. Yeah. For sure, bro. And uh, yeah. so, like, just last last question about you, like those. Yeah. Those habits, like how do you, what habits do you have in place to remind yourself of that? Like are you doing like a check-in every day? Are you journaling? Like what's, what's your main way of, of kind yeah. of like, or what's like some of those habits you've been using to kind of keep yourself pushing forward? Yeah, like, so I would say after I graduated, after I graduated college, after 2016, um, so I took a trip for, to Cambodia and Thailand and then I came back and then I started working. And after I started working, I decided to do like 
a yearly goal. Okay, what am I going to what am I going to accomplish by the, like the end of um, December thirty first, twenty seventeen? And then so I do like yearly goals every year, and then within those yearly goals, I'll have monthly goals to reach my yearly goals. Right. And then I'll even break it down even smaller for my monthly to re to get my monthly goals. What am I doing weekly? So it's almost like a recursive recursive like problem that I'm breaking down. It's just like whatever your biggest goal is, you just break it down into the little smaller ones. And that's and that's how you make it easier for yourself because yeah. you're doing it step by step, you know, brick by brick. And by the end of like the year, you'll be like, oh my God, like I just I just did this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? right. And um, you gotta have the right people around you too. I think that's foundational to that support, that, that, that someone in here like, hey man, like you're motivating me, I see what you're doing, versus to like, Bro, let's go out. Let's uh, you know, fuck all that. You know, like, <laughs> why do you always work? Like, or, you know, just you gotta have that right environment to like support you. you gotta that foundation that the the people around you. That's that's you got you get someone has to hold you accountable. You know, because sometimes you know you want to be lazy. You want you want to yeah. chill, whatnot. Yeah. But sometimes you get stuck in the comfort zone, and you know that I, that happens to me all the time. But I, I started like a Netflix show, and I end up binging for like two days. What fuck would I just do? <laughs> just wasted like three days on a show. Right. Versus something I could have been doing, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that's just so true. Everything about it. I mean, who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. It's all of it. It's all related, man. Oh yeah. So speaking of that, you moved out to L.A. or uh, San, uh, Sacramento now. Yeah. Yeah. It's your first time away from the fam. Uh yeah. Besides besides college, yeah. And this will be new place where I know nobody. I have no friends out in Sacramento. Uh, new job where. I'm gonna be learning something new. Uh, so before I was on, I was in, a, I was on a data science side, uh, more on the analytics. So now I'm kind of on the back end where I'll be more in the architecture, more of the framework, working on the data pipelines. Um, so this will be a completely excited? new experience. You're nervous. Oh, I'm excited <laughs> and nervous at the same time. Yeah, it's because yeah. uh, you know it's it's gonna be a great opportunity. It's gonna be a, a good learning one for me. And you know I'm always trying to learn new things. And along with learning on the job, I gotta learn. The whole like city, I got, I got to meet new people. Meet new people. So and you got to put yourself out that comfort zone where yeah, you, know, you have to. <laughs> you have, yeah, yeah. So you kind of you kind of just forcing yourself, and uh, that's gonna be a good change, man. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm excited to see where all this takes you, dude. Um, Visit, man. I'm uh, out I'll, there. I'll, I'll, I'll be there, there, man. Yeah. Let's get so, out there, man. Start working. It. Keep yes, playing. Yeah. Get yourself some new California hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Outdoors, man. You got you got uh yeah. what you got. Lake Tahoe near you yep. probably. San Fran's about an hour away. San Fran close. Mm -hmm. The yep. little wine wine county. Yep, yep. You can enjoy yourself too out there. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's diverse out there. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Because I've never, I've been to LA, I've been to San Diego, but I heard Sacramento is completely, a completely different uh, vibe, I guess. Like it's a different yeah. culture. Yeah. So, you know, it's still a big city. You know, it's a capital. Right. Which I just, I kind of, I, I low-key <laughs> found out again. Like, you know, I knew that way back when we were in school, but I just found out again, I'm like, that is the capital, isn't it? Because you don't hear about it. No. You hear about every other city but Sacramento. Sacramento you know? Kings and uh, Buddy Hill. That's about all I've been hearing yeah, about. <laughs> but, yeah. Might have to get a jersey, I guess. Yeah, right? But we'll see. All right. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, man. Well, yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to keep talking about you. You let me know when those projects are coming out. We'll them up. And uh, I'm sure I'll be back in on the show, too. Uh, yeah. You know, Couple, a year from now, two years from now. Keep talking and see where we're going. Yeah. Hopefully you don't like blow up and you're too cool for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm saying>. bro. <laughs> never. Never. Um, yeah. People want to like look into you. Should I send them Instagram, website? Yeah, yeah. Uh, should I? Um, so I got a, you can go to my website, uh, www.rexmay.com or R-E-K-S-M-E-Y. Um, that kind of highlights um, a little consultant thing I'm doing. So I you know, along with the business model development for like the school, I kind of do it like on the side, but it's more of like a smaller scale thing that I'm working right. towards. So um, I'm also doing like web design. So I'm developing like a few websites for a few friends, uh, you know, just kind of just doing it, just to do Anything. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, just building my portfolio up. Hustling. So hey, for, pe for people who uh, want to start just, or just do anything, just, just start doing it, man. I'm telling you, just start learning and then you'll, You'll pick it up as you go. So, yeah. I mean, I've been doing web design for a while, but it's more of like, okay, my boy who's a, who's a film director, 
I saw his website. I'm like, this is trash. I'm like, let me build you something better, you know? So Solve it's a problem. You're yeah, it's one it, of those. Right? Yeah, it's one of those. Because I'm a visual person, you know? I'm like, I'm really like, I like design, I like creative work. So I was like, yeah, dude, let me, let me build it for you. And this, and uh, his, name, his name's Alex Howard, by the way. He's super dope. Like he's, <laughs> I think he's 24 right now. And he's worked with like Nicki Minaj, Jennifer Lopez, Bon Jovi. Like he's been doing a lot of great work. And Dang. He's incredible, man. I met him back when we were in high school. So when I was talking to you about uh, helping direct music videos for ourselves, he was one of the videographers that worked with us. And uh, our very first video that we shot was $250. And <laughs> the quality is crazy. And now he's making like tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> yeah, working with his bigger clients, you know? So it's, it's just crazy to see the evolution. Yeah. And uh, no, man. And uh, so I'm, just, I'm blessed to like have those type of people around me because that shit, that shit motivates me. I'm like, man, he's doing this. Like, but what's stopping me? Right. You know? So, yeah. Right. Yes, sir. Well, you heard it here first, everyone. Go do something. Chase those dreams. And uh, see you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Live an Extraordinary Life. I hope this episode with Rex really helped open your eyes to the environment that some people are forced to grow up in and helps give you some perspective and appreciation and gratitude for your own situation, but also helps inspire you to to light a fire in you, to go chase those dreams you want to chase, to make that first step and really create the life that you want to create. So on that note, it seems fitting to leave you with the saying, go live an extraordinary life.